Okay, as you're taking your seat, I'm going to introduce our speaker today. Um, we have Abigail and Malcolm's Bapa here today, and uh, that's another fancy name for Grandpa, Bapa. And so for an introduction, um, we have Doug Johns, and he is from Toronto. He's married to Yvonne for almost 50 years. Congratulations. They have four children, eight grandchildren. And he was the international ministry director, directing Christian camps and pastoring. Now retired and living in Creston, B.C. He's also the runner of half marathons, and he told me he started at 60. So if you're under 60, you have no excuse. Get running. A half marathon is from our farm to Three Hills. You can do it. I've only done it once, so, and, and I was 30 as a half that, so, Yeah. He's also active in community theater. He loves to travel, and I'll let him do the rest of the introduction. So um, he come on up, and let's pray for you, Doug, and um, ask the Lord to bless us this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing Doug and Yvonne here safely. Um, thank you for blessing him with insight into your word. And Lord, I just pray that your spirit would be speaking to us clearly, that we might hear and listen and obey to what you have to teach us. Thank you again for your word and for us to be able to even worship and and learn about the Bible here in Canada. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much for the good introduction. I want to thank you for uh, being a good church. Um, as parents, we always want our f- children and their children to be in good churches. And uh, I'm old. I've seen a lot of churches in my years. And not all of them, I mean, all churches have some good, but not all churches are good. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but you're good. Uh, the emphasis on scripture, the emphasis on looking after each other in Jesus and preaching the good news of the kingdom uh, is really important to Yvonne and myself. And so we're glad that we have a church that our family can be involved with. So I want to thank you for that. I also want to thank Pastor Allen for uh, the opportunity, the invitation to preach Again, having been a pastor for many years, um, it's sometimes scary. Look, I'll just tell you an inside story here. It's sometimes scary as a pastor when you go away and you, you know, you desperately need your holidays or your study leave time, but that means you got to leave somebody in your place on a Sunday morning. And that's not always easy. So we'll see what he says 30 minutes from now. If he's uh, texting all of you saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that we brought that guy to you. Uh, thank you, Pastor Allen, for the trust you put in me uh, to come and, and bring the word. Uh, uh, Pastor Allen, um, we're not related, but figure this one out. They have grandchildren and we have some grandchildren who are first cousins with their. So you got that figured out? No? I, that's kind of neat. That's kind of uh, cool that that has happened. Uh, listen, um, in, in 30 seconds, here is where we have been since Toronto. Yvonne and I were in the same high school in Toronto, but not in the same grade. Um, and we didn't really get to know each other until after uh, she finished high school and was in the same youth group with with me. Uh, but after Toronto, oh, I did York University and I did uh, some some times. It's like being in prison. I did some time at Ontario Bible College, what was then called Ontario Bible College. And then we moved uh, to Massachusetts, to the Boston area, where I went to seminary and did my grad work. And so from Toronto uh, to Boston, to Saskatoon for our first church, to Innerkip, Ontario, near Woodstock, Ontario, to Toronto, 
to Woodstock, New Brunswick, from Woodstock, New Brunswick to Maple Ridge, B.C., from Maple Ridge, B.C. to Boston, and from Boston to Creston, and from Creston back to Ontario for 10 years, and from Ontario back to Kimberley, B.C., and then from Kimberley, B.C., I sort of retired and we did an international ministry in Germany for two years. It was something that we had always wanted to do to be adventuresome. And uh, uh, we got the invitation to be uh, pastor of an international Baptist church. Oh, and I was Presbyterian. Uh, to be in a Baptist church leading ministry, heavy on the international, not quite as heavy on the Baptist. Because we had people from 27 different countries. We didn't have to learn German. And uh, we were ministering with people who wanted to worship in English. And that was a real learning experience. In 2018, we retired uh, and moved back to Creston. There you have our life in its completeness. Look, three books that helped me this week. And I always like to say that that when any pastor works, of course, they work with the scripture. And then sometimes they consult commentaries or theological books. Sometimes they'll find something online that has a, uh, something in the theme that, that they're discovering from scripture. Uh, also books. We just um, built into our house um, a library that will try and house. It won't do it fully, but we'll try and house my extensive library. So from my library, I picked three books to look at for this passage. One was called uh, The Anxiety Field Guide. For anyone who knows anyone who suffers from anxiety, this is a very practical book. And I also have an older book by Max Lucado called Traveling Light, where I bought the title for today's message. And I even went back to an age-old book by Philip Keller called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. So those are three books that have helped me in what we're trying to uh, accomplish here this morning in God's Word. Look, I've been involved in sports all my life. I grew up playing hockey I coached competitive baseball in British Columbia. We played in Montana and Idaho and played some uh, other teams, I I think maybe from Washington State. And um, I know what it is to be involved in sports. Uh, I'm now a runner. I know what it is to be exhausted. And I know what it is to need a rest. My reputation among the grandchildren is that Bapa likes his naps. Anyone else like their naps? I do, yeah. So you have special places for a nap? Uh, My special places were the hammock at our summer cottage where I grew up. How cool that was to just listen to the noise from the lake and and then just to fall asleep uh, under the trees in this hammock. That was a great place to learn how to nap. Uh, Maybe it's your couch. Maybe it's your recliner. You know, I went to York University, as I mentioned, and in the library at that time, and I haven't been back to that university since I graduated. I didn't even go to my graduation. But but in that library, I loved it. Not only were there a million books, but in the library there were study desks and nice big flat desks to work on, but there were also couches, and there were nice comfy seats. And so I would, I would migrate from a study desk to a big desk to a comfy chair to a couch, and before long, This is when I was a university student, I'd be having a good, sound sleep in the library. 
And I continued into grad school at seminary. I can still remember sitting in a comfortable chair looking out. Our seminary was on the top of a large hill. They might call it a mountain down there, but it's a, just a hill. And, and I had great views, and I would then lift my eyes from the book I was supposed to be reading. And then somebody would come and tap me on the shoulder and say, your snoring is disturbing everyone. I love to have a good rest. But we're not talking just about rest in terms of sleep. We're going to talk about rest in terms of calming your soul, refreshing your soul. I read the story of someone who said he was a terrible worrier until he hired a professional worrier. Have you heard this story? He hired a professional worrier. He was at lunch with uh, a colleague, and the colleague was asking, well, what's new in your life? And the fellow said, well, you know, I, I'm so busy with business, and, and I get worried. So I've hired a professional worrier. A professional worrier? Where would you find some? Oh, I, I have my sources. Well, how much does a professional worrier cost? 10000 a month. How can you afford 10000 a month for a professional worrier? He says, not my problem, it's his. I can't pay for it, but that's his problem. He'll worry about it. I want you to think in your mind. I want to paint some pictures for you. Images of overburdened women in certain parts of the world, loaded down with firewood on their backs and heavy pails of water on their head, walking for miles just to look after their family. How about that picture I saw in Missouri, India, way up in the, the Himalayan mountains in India, and I saw in this very, very busy city street, I saw... The appliance store delivery man with a monstrous fridge on his back, taking it to someone's home. Burdened, heavy laden. How about what everyone's thinking about now as they go back to school? How about kids these days? Have you... You know, I've driven in the car and come past somebody walking to school, a, a little kindergarten kid with their parent, and the kid has on their back a backpack. Well, that's okay, except the backpack is stuffed. It's heavy. The child can, can hardly stand up straight. Or you think the child's going to fall backwards because of the weight of the backpack. When, when I was in school, I mean, this will blow your minds. When I was in school, we actually had to carry our books. We carried them on our hip. Remember those days? Any of you old enough to remember? I carried books on my, and the, the girls carried their books like this. Now they have backpacks. How fortunate are they? But those backpacks can be heavy laden. Or how about airport travelers pushing baggage carts that are way too overloaded? Or sometimes you see younger people, usually with, with a big, a big uh, duffel bag type thing strapped on their front and another one on their back, uh, probably going to, uh, to, to ballet or, or, or Thailand to, to explore and travel the world. People are weary. They are weary. They carry a lot of stuff. In Lucado's book, Traveling Light, he says, odds are you did this morning, you did this. Somewhere between the first step on the floor and the last step out the door, you grabbed some luggage. You stepped off the leg luggage carousel and you loaded up. The carousel is not one at the airport. It's the one in your mind. And the bags that you grabbed and held on to and tried to carry 
They might not be made of leather, but they're made of burdens. The suitcase of guilt, the trunk of discontent, a a backpack of anxiety, and a hanging bag of grief, a briefcase of perfectionism, an overnight bag of loneliness, and a duffel bag of fear. No wonder we're all so tired at the end of a day. Hear God's word this morning. An interesting passage from Isaiah 46. I'll try and link them all together momentarily. From Isaiah 46, you're going to keep one thumb in this bookmark, 46, the first four verses. Bell bows down, Nebu stoops. They stoop low. Their idols are born by beasts of burden. The images that are carried about are burdensome, a burden for the weary. They stoop and bow down together, unable to rescue the burden. They themselves go off into captivity. But listen to this. Listen to me, the Bible says. O house of Jacob, all of you who remain of the house of Israel, you whom I have upheld since you were conceived and I have carried since your birth, Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. And I will sustain you and I will rescue you. And now the passage that gives me inspiration this morning is from Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11, the very end, verse 28 famous passage, and you probably could recite it by heart. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this morning, I want to try and help you move from a place of panic and heaviness through the problem to the promise. And the promise really is something that we can grab hold of. The problem is something that we too long hold on to and don't let go of. The problem is our problem. It's described in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus went around the countryside, that scripture says, and he was preaching and teaching and healing. And he says the people are so much in trouble, they are like sheep without a shepherd. And so I think you keep one finger in the Isaiah passage, that's Isaiah 46. You keep one finger in the Matthew 11 passage, and you also keep a finger in Psalm 23. In Matthew chapter 9, he says they are like sheep without a shepherd. The NIV in English Standard Version use harassed and helpless. King James Version fainted and scattered. The message says confused and aimless. You could see in some translations the words distressed and downcast. The New Living Translation says their problems were so great they didn't know where to go for help. A bunch of people with really difficult problems in life. And interestingly enough, the Bible doesn't develop what those kind of problems might be. Obviously, if you're sheep without a shepherd, you're leaderless. But then you have to think about all the things that a shepherd does, Psalm 23, and you don't have that because you don't have a shepherd. So Jesus, we know from John 10, is a good shepherd. And the good shepherd wants to look after and provide for his sheep. And so we need to read Psalm 23 for reassurance. 
And we need Jesus, the good shepherd, for rest, for relief, for calming, for contentment. Now, before we go any further, I do say that I'm a preacher of the gospel. I'm not a psychologist, and I'm not a psychiatrist, though as a pastor, sometimes you wish you had those kind of skills. As a parent, you sometimes wish you had those kind of skills. In Matthew chapter 11, it's translated in the New Living Translation, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Okay, NIV, weary and burdened. Two other translations, labor and heavy laden, exhausted, weighed down, stooping under extreme heavy loads. Like those kids who carry with backpacks that are too heavy. Clearly the Bible teaches that Jesus and only Jesus has the compassion and the ability. Both. Compassion, meaning he has the desire to have mercy on someone who is heavy laden. But he also has the capability. The ability. To solve the problem. To eradicate us from such heaviness. It's divine help. It's not self-help. Although self-care is important. God's compassion is the common denominator in Matthew 9 and in Matthew 11. Because he loves us so much. Because he cares for us so much. He is willing to take our burdens. It's a compassionate invitation. Come unto me. It's not a grouch. It's not a grouchy teacher or an angry parent. Say, come unto me. Get over here. Come unto me. Come unto me. Come here. And I'll give you some rest. Take the yoke of Christ. Yoke is a term that we fully don't understand in this day and age. We've seen pictures of oxen yoked together pulling a cart. The Greek word is zygos. It's that wooden frame that joins those two oxen together. And is that what Jesus has in mind? He uses that word. It's used Zygos is the image one of, and I could never quite figure this out. We are yoked with Christ then, with Jesus. Does that mean we're still doing some work? Or is Jesus doing all the work? I, I, I don't know. That's theologically, you're going to have some, some uh, digging to do here. Is it one of partnering? Or is it simply one of attachment? We're attached to Jesus, who then takes the burden, carries the load. The New Testament, Paul uses the phrase, in Christ, an awful lot. Is that what it is to be in Christ, or at least part of what it is to be in Christ, to be joined to Jesus? I have the picture in my mind. Uh, I have never jumped out of an airplane. And I'm never going to. Lord willing. But I see people who do that for, <clears throat> for fun. And they, of course, have strapped on a good parachute on their back and safety mechanisms and if you want to go skydiving and, and spend a good bundle of money, you can do it. And if you've never done it before, they're going to attach you to somebody who is experienced. And so you are kind of yoked together. You see them uh, doubled up together in one big contraption. And the experienced diver is in control and uh, pulls the chute when it's necessary. 
Have any of you ever done that? Okay, let's do a little survey, scientific survey. Has anyone here ever jumped out of an airplane? Hmm. You guys leave boring lives. I wonder if that's a picture too. What is it to be yoked with Christ? Jesus doesn't need me, but he wants me to be close to him, and he will do the work. He'll drive the cart. He'll carry the burdens on our back. Come unto me, all of you who are heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. But there's another biblical use of the word, zygos, for yoke. And this was what was new to me as I studied the passage and followed all of the rabbit trails, as only you can if you get cross-references or study notes. The word is used to describe obligation and servitude and slavery to foreign nations. And so you can look up in Leviticus 26 or Exodus chapter 6, and you can see that people were under the yoke of a foreign nation. In Jesus' time, it was, of course, the oppressive yoke of Rome. But it was also, and just as importantly, and maybe more forefront in the mind of people of the day, because they were allowed to exist within the Roman occupation. What was harder to live with was the yoke of the Pharisees, the burden of the law. When you look at the law, you see how far short we all fall. We're just not near perfection. The Pharisees would come along and make people feel even worse. And with all of their rules and regulations and interpretations, people were under the yoke, oppressive yoke, of the law. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, the Pharisees took and put or tied heavy loads on people's shoulders, but they themselves were not willing to lift a finger to move any of them. The Pharisees loved to make you feel bad. And they loved to point a finger of judgment. And it was a yoke. And Jesus says, in contrast to those kind of yokes, my yoke. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm humble, I'm gentle, it, it's easy. In the end, Jesus would lift his entire life onto a cross to remove those burdens. And I'm thankful for that. The offer of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 stands in stark contrast then to the religious burdens of the Pharisees and in stark contrast to the militaristic suppression of the Romans. Discipleship under Jesus is going to be gentle and refreshing with restful relief and joy-giving renewal. Truly, shalom, true shalom, a sense of ultimate well-being and peace. That's what you find in Jesus. And it's precisely because of who Jesus is. For I am gentle and I am humble in heart. Now, Lucado makes a good point. Because... Because at first I read Matthew 11 and I I see what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to come to Jesus. I'm supposed to take his yoke. And then I'm supposed to learn of Jesus. So is it 
really my accomplishing this or is it Jesus accomplishing this? And this is what theological students all across the world love to discuss at their lunch hours. How much of my salvation is from me? And how much of my salvation is from Jesus? Well, of course, it's all from Jesus. Yes, but you still have to have faith. Well, you only have the faith of Jesus issues it out of you. And the debate goes on and on and on and has for centuries. I don't know the answers, but I know that Jesus issues an invitation to which we are to respond. And at this point, it doesn't matter whether he's come around behind me and pushed him me along or, or whether he's just just enticing me with his mercy and grace. I have to respond to the invitation, but lest I ever think, according to Paul in Ephesians, that I have accomplished it, it's by his grace and his grace alone. We work hard. There is money to be made, degrees to be earned, ladders to be climbed. Busyness is next to godliness, we think. And we idolize Thomas Edison who claimed he could live on 15-minute naps. Somehow we forget to mention Albert Einstein who averaged 11 hours of sleep a night. In 1910, Americans slept nine hours a night. Today we sleep maybe seven and we're proud of it. And we are tired because of it. Our minds are exhausted. Our bodies are exhausted. And much more importantly, our souls are exhausted. But this is the work of Jesus. You don't create the living waters that he'll bring you by, the still waters. You don't create the pasture that will nourish you. You don't create the fenced-in area of a pen that will protect you like Jesus does. It's all done by the Lord and praise God to him. Well, I'm thinking about the baggage of life, this picture that Max Lucado paints for us. What can it be? Uh, He has a few items that that seem to uh, show up, the luggage of life, and these are his chapter titles. Which chapter was written for you? The Burden of Self-Reliance. The burden of discontent, the burden of weariness, the burden of worry, the burden of hopelessness, the burden of guilt, the burden of arrogance, oh, and and the burdens, burdens of grief, and the burden of fear, the burden of loneliness, the burden of shame, the burden of disappointment, the burden of doubt. You can name the burden that you carry, and maybe you can't even name it. Maybe it's a conglomeration of a number, and you don't even know how to identify it, but you know it's heavy. We used to do something with, with children. One of my children's stories would have been to, to take these, these backpacks and uh, then go through or get a couple of kid volunteers. I said, do you think you can carry anything? You think you can carry anything? Kids come say, oh, I can carry anything. And you take the smallest kid. And, and, and then you put the backpack on. And then you start stuffing uh, the hymn books. You just start at the front row. Fill it in the backpack. And go to the second row and the third row. And eventually, hopefully the kid is not strong. To get the point of the story... The kid needs help. Hymn books. You still have some hymn books in your pews. A lot of churches don't anymore. Um, You know that. We're doing my library at our house, and we're unpacking some of my books that have been in storage for a long, long time. And we're we're shelving them and trying to organize them. And I say, yeah, and and the music and and the hymn books are going to go down on this shelf. And grandchild says, what's a hymn book? never occurred to me 
They've grown up. And I love the screens. And it was hard for me in some churches to get screens on the wall and a projector. They didn't know what a hymn book was. Stuff, stuff. We used to write a little piece of paper. Here's what we did. We would write on the piece of paper uh, things that, that are heavy in life. Like feeling alone. Like feeling sad. Like homework. Like angry parents. Like bullying friends or whatever. Things that weigh kids down and weigh people down. We could put them in debt. We could put in pressure at work. Whatever it is. They burden us. It hasn't rained. It's too hot or it's too cold. These become burdens we carry. Label them, name them, attach them to that hymn book, stuff it in the backpack, and see how much we're trying to carry. We need help. And ultimately, the biggest burden of all, and I don't, you don't need me to tell you this, is, is the burden of sin in all of its various forms. And isn't it great that Jesus will take from us our burdens, including the big burden of sin, and let us walk freely in grace, in love. We need to accept and learn to rest and to let the burdens go. Cusick, in his book, uh, The Anxiety Field Guide, he has one little illustration. He says, one day I was waiting to get into someone's house and I, I looked down and I saw a little snail crossing the ground. He says, I remember looking down a few minutes later and trying to see if it had progressed anyway. And he says this phrase, I'll never forget this. He says, we need the anxious presence of a snail. A calmness that we can move on, but we don't have to run at such a clip that we exhaust ourselves. It's okay to slow down and rest. Did you know, if you go and look up the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the the Ten Commandments, Which of the Ten Commandments has the longest description, explanation? Which of the Ten Commandments? It's the one about keeping the Sabbath. Isn't it interesting? The one that we need the most instruction about is keeping the Sabbath. A pattern of regular rest. And in such way we grant glory to God. So what do we say in conclusion? First of all, I'll say that people are looking for rest. They're looking for relief in all the wrong places. And I'll just name a few. You can name them too. People seek relief in In no particular order, not picking on anyone, people seek relief in video games, sports, drugs, overwork, social media, unhealthy relationships, fantasies, anything that will help dull the pain and lessen the weight of what we try and carry in life. But all of those wrong places are fleeting. They essentially and eventually run on empty. And it's important to note, idols themselves become burdens. What we do focus our attention on to help make us feel better becomes something that owns us and weighs on us. So the solution we thought becomes the problem. Think about it. And that was the picture from the Isaiah passage. As the land was being conquered, 
being taken off into Babylon, not only the people, but all of, 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 I mean, not everyone was obedient to the living God. Some had idols, and that was the picture of idols and everything that goes with it being dumped into carts. It was part of the silver and gold, uh, what is it, when you, you bounty that you get when you conquer a land. And it was being hauled off. And the picture that is described in Isaiah is that the carts are so overladen with the idols that they're just stopping and breaking down. It's a, a pain to pull the idols. Idolatry is about I. And then we create things about I that make us feel good, we think. But instead of those idols helping us and coming to our assistance, they become a burden and it's hard to live with them. They end up disappointing and crushing their creators. So who in their right mind would go back to the gods that we have designed to relieve our exhaustion? We're not going to bow down before money and lust and power anymore. We're going to bow down before Jesus who takes our burdens away. Look, when you do your Bible study, use a good translation of Scripture. Maybe a study Bible, maybe not. When you need to be devotional, use one that may just, amplify the text a little bit. And so that's really where I would use the message, if any of you own the message uh, version of the Bible. Uh, Really good for devotion. Listen carefully. Let this sink into your soul. I'm going to read Matthew 11, 28, 30. I read it from the NIV first. This is from the message. Listen. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a rest, a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Trust Jesus with all of your life, including your burdens. When I was in my youth, I was part of a singing group. I don't play any musical instruments. I did get piano lessons when I was a kid, but I could look out my window and see all my friends playing sports. I couldn't practice. My parents tried and tried and tried. My dad was a great pianist and could play by ear anything. I'm sure they were disappointed when I said, I don't want any piano lessons again. But I did get to lead a singing group for three years, I think, out of our church. And we sang at services and coffee coffee houses were popular when I was a kid. I, I I was a hippie. That's how far back. We used to sing everywhere in southern Ontario. Yvonne was in the group. She was a good singer. I'm not. They just wanted me for my van. I had the big van that we could pile everybody and their instruments into, and we could travel from one gig to another. That's why they liked me. I had, oh, I can't tell you this. Look at the time. I can't tell you. Some other time, I'll tell you about my hippie van. It was magnificent. But anyways, the point of this story is that we were in a singing group, and one of the first songs we ever sung as a singing group was something that some of you will have never known, and others of you will say, oh, I remember that. 
It was written by someone who many of you won't even know, but some of you will say, I knew him, Ralph Carmichael, 1970 or 1968. That's a long, long time ago. Is your burden heavy as you bear it all alone? Does the road you travel harbor danger unknown? Are you growing weary in the struggle of it all? Jesus will help you when on his name you call. He is always there, hearing every prayer, faithful and true, walking by our side in his love we hide all the day through. When you get discouraged, just remember what to do. Reach out to Jesus. He's reaching out to you. Is your burden heavy? This passage is for you. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for the the time and the freedom that we've had this morning to consider your word. And Lord, we confess that even as your disciples, we still carry things we don't need to carry. There are things that weigh us down and distract us from you and make us, make us bitter and make us grumpy and take away our joy, Lord. We want to give them to you today, Lord. Thank you for your ministry to us. Not just the cross of salvation, but the continuation of mercy and love on a daily basis. We're reaching out to you, Lord. Amen. Isn't it amazing that we have all that stuff, all that baggage that we're carrying along with us, and we try to fix it on our own strength. But it's the answer is so simple. We just we need to attach ourselves to Jesus, and He promised to take it away. We're going to sing a new song, and it's called Gratitude. And what I was thinking about that was, what do we what do we have to offer Jesus, the King? that is by singing. So we're going to invite you to stand as we sing the new song. Sing along if you if you can.
have a great week. Go with God. Don't forget to give him your burdens. You're dismissed.